First Chronicles chapter 28, verses 6 through 10. And this morning, I'm going to ask us to read verses 6, 7, and 8. Verses 6, 7, and 8 of First Chronicles chapter 28. All right, uh, let's begin to read. Now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments, as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. Amen? Okay. We spoke about verse 6, and you can listen to the message entitled, Stay There, and you'll get a lot of meat out of that. But today we're going to zero in on verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8. And notice what he says. Moreover. Well, what does moreover mean? What does the term moreover mean? The whole picture? Not quite the whole picture. And then some. And then some. And then some. In addition to. Besides that. Okay. So when he said in verse 6. It's your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. We went over that so many times that God said to David that Solomon, though Solomon was David's son, God had chosen Solomon to be his son, and he would be Solomon's father. That's a tremendous situation, period, right? But then God didn't stop there. He said, moreover, and then some. And let's look at what the then some is. He said, moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. Lord, have mercy. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my statutes as it is this day. Well, my question becomes, and I think what we want to do this morning is look a little bit at this kingdom piece. It says here that I will establish his kingdom forever. Well, what kingdom is God speaking about? When he says, I will establish his, that is Solomon's kingdom forever, right? Look back at verse 5. Verse 5, same chapter, but I want us to look back at verse 5 and read that because it's going to give us a key. Let's read. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. 
Now, when he says, and of course this is David speaking here, and he says, and of all my sons, and of course David had many sons, he, God, has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. First of all, we're going to look at what is the kingdom of the Lord or the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Well, what is a kingdom? Simple definition. What's a kingdom? That which you rule over. That which someone rules over. Okay. So when it says the kingdom of God, who's the ruler? God. God is. Okay. I want you to write down some scripture references. We're going to look at them. You may not have time to turn to them all. But I want you to write them down so you can look back at them. Or if you listen to the message later, you can have that already down. Psalm 22, verse 28. Psalm 22, verse 28. And Psalm 22, verse 28 says, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. Isn't that awesome? For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. Then Psalm 145, verse 13. Psalm 145, verse 13. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures Throughout all generations. Wow. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. So we already have established the fact, we already know that, that God rules. His kingdom is over all the nations. And it endures throughout all generations. Well, then the question becomes, if the kingdom belongs to God, what kingdom is God referring to when he says, and Solomon's kingdom will be established forever? Right. He's referring to Israel. But Israel belongs to who? God. God. Because Israel was considered to be what? God's people. So we begin to find out something here. That though God is sovereign, he has also established that the individual can be appointed king. Over what belongs to God. That's going to be important as we go through these this morning. It's important to understand that it all belongs to God. Come on, y'all. But God is the one who chooses to appoint the individual as king. Turn to Daniel. 
We're going to see this. Daniel chapter 4. That I'd like for you to turn to. Daniel chapter 4. And while you're turning there, Daniel chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, and we know Babylon took Judah into captivity, right? But the key was, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And in this dream, he saw this tree stuff, etc., etc. It was an elaborate dream. He called on Daniel to come and give the interpretation of that dream. And, of course, Daniel said to him, well, you know, interpretations come from God. So then Daniel begins to give Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream. I want to zero in on one verse of that interpretation. Daniel chapter 4, verse 25. Daniel chapter 4, verse 25. And the key is, Nebuchadnezzar had gotten big-headed, or was getting even big-headed more. Is that is such a word as that? <laughs> In other words, uh, God had blessed him or, or said to him that he was going to take Judah and all these other lands. So, of course, Babylon was becoming a great empire. So Nebuchadnezzar was getting big-headed about it. He said, look at what I've done. All these, all these nations now belong to me. Well, Daniel said in part of his interpretation, verse 25, let's read it together. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And the bottom line is, what the interpretation was came to pass. Nebuchadnezzar began to have a a spirit of an animal. And his fingernails grew and all that kind of a thing. And eventually he came to the point of realizing that God is God. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So he changed as a result of that. But God wanted to make a point. God wanted to make the point that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That's an awesome thing. Are you getting the picture? He saw whomever chose Solomon. That's right. He chose Solomon. But the key we're making here, I'm going to make some connections for you, because I want us to get to where we fit in. But before we get there, I want to draw the, draw the picture. We've seen the fact that the kingdom of God is where God rules, correct? Mm-hmm. And God can give his, uh, give authority or the ability to rule to whomever he desires, desires to, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we also know that the kingdoms of this earth 
are in rebellion to God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that not true? Yes. It's a universal rebellion that's going on. Yes. Did you know that? Oh, yes. Especially okay. in the Mideast. Hmm? Especially in the Mideast. Especially in the Mideast. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the kingdoms of Hussein and... and, and, and yeah, I understand. But, I, but I'm saying no, no, because the rebellion is universal. Yeah. Everywhere you look, folks are rebelling against God. Is that not true? That's true. Okay. All right. I want to make sure that you know that. Because... And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures to just confirm that in your thinking. For instance, turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And this is the account of when Jesus is in the wilderness and Satan is tempting him. Most, most often we read the account in Matthew, but this time I want to look at it in Luke. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And then I want us to read that together, please. Let's read. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Did you get it? So we know that when Adam, we go back to Adam in the garden. When Adam disobeyed God's command, because God had given Adam what? Ruler. Called him to be a ruler. Gave him authority, correct? Turn back there, please. Turn back to Genesis. And let's look at that for just a minute. Turn back to Genesis. And uh, Genesis is is which book of the Bible? Come on. Yes, it is. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It's the last book if you're going in reverse, right? Okay. (laughs) But we're at Genesis, and I want us to look down at chapter 3. Because we spoke about the fact that all the world is in rebellion. And we looked at the fact that when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, one of the temptations, and the one that we read in Luke 4, 4th chapter, verses 6, 5 and 6, the devil took Jesus up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Well, we know when God created man, he gave man dominion. 
But then he also gave man a commandment. Mm-hmm. He said, you can eat of all the trees in the sky. I mean, eat yourself, silly. That's a loose Lewis translation. <laughs> but of the tree of the middle of this garden, you shall not eat of it. For the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Wow. Right? Right. But that death situation, the definition of death I like to use based on the events in the scripture is simply this. Death is a separation from the original purpose for which one was created. Death is a separation from the original purpose for which one was created. It never means extinction. Or a ceasing to be. Hmm. Now. By that I'm simply saying. God's intended original purpose for man. Was to have dominion. And be in relationship with him. Be in relationship with God. That was God's intent. Originally. Man disobeyed. The commandment. And he experienced spiritual death. Mm -hmm. A separation in that fellowship that he had. Right? Mm -hmm. With God. Well, when God came down to the garden and started talking to Adam and Eve, after they blew it, he, of course, you know, Eve says, the serpent. Adam said, the woman. Right? Everybody passing the buck. But look at what... God told Adam, and we're going down to verse 17, chapter 3 of Genesis. Let's read it together, please. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. That's an awesome thing. But why did that happen? Right in the first part of that verse 17. Because you have heeded to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. So the bottom line is, because Adam, did not obey God's command. The ground was cursed. And he experienced death. He didn't experience physical death until 930 years later. But he experienced spiritual separation from the original purpose of God when he disobeyed. Which brings us back to First Chronicles 28. Chapter, verse 7. And it says, Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, 
if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. God hasn't changed. Did you get the picture? He doesn't have a problem appointing man rulership. But he does have a problem when he gives a command and it ain't adhered to. Does that make sense? Because in the natural, we're the same way. Yes. Isn't that true? If you've been given a leadership responsibility of a corporation or your job or a division or department or your home, do you understand what I'm saying? And then you expect when you give a command or some instruction that the folks are going what? Follow it. And when they don't, do you just say, well, you know, I know I told you to do something, but I see you didn't want to do it. Well, let's try another time, you know. Uh, no, you pull a Donald Trump on it. You pull a Donald Trump, you fire. <laughs> but you get the picture. That didn't start with man. We're created in the image and likeness of God. God established. I'm giving some commands. I will establish your kingdom forever. If you are steadfast to observe, and in, 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 in the New King James, it's a capital M. My commandments and my judgments. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. So God means business. Mm-hmm. And the key is, Adam blew it. Mm-hmm. Then we come, well, while you're in Genesis 4, or Genesis 3, turn over to Genesis 4. Because there you have the account of Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Well, we know the story of Cain and Abel. Ultimately, Cain killed Abel, right? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because the event that led to it was the fact that Cain and Abel brought sacrifices to God. Mm-hmm. Abel's sacrifice was accepted, right? Mm-hmm. Cain's was not. Mm-hmm. Cain got an attitude. attitude. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when you look at chapter 4, Let's go down at verse, uh, well, let's look at verse 4. And let's begin to read there. Uh, well, I guess we've got to go to verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the, first, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord had respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but 
you should rule over it. Wow. Did you catch that? Get the picture. Cain gets an attitude. As some would say in a colloquial expression, his lip is hanging. Mm -hmm. And God speaks to Cain. And says, Cain, why you got an attitude? Why you got an attitude? If you do well. In other words, if you do what's right. So the bottom line is, Cain knew what was right. Yes. And God knew Cain was going to do what was not right. But that's not the point right now. God is addressing Cain. Just like when Adam and Eve blew it. And they hid themselves. Mm-hmm. And God shows up in the garden and says, where are you, Adam? Mm-hmm. Now you know God knew where Adam was. Mm-hmm. But he says, where are you, Adam? And Adam finally says, well, you know, we're over here. We hid ourselves because we were naked. Who told you you were naked? Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is God doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answer. We begin to understand God asks questions for us to locate where we are. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God asked the question for Adam to locate for Adam to locate where he was. I'm hiding. Well, Adam, come on, y'all. Why are you hiding? Cain, why is your lip hanging? If you do what's right, if you do well, you'll be accepted also. But he told him something else. He says, but if you don't, sin lies at your door. And his desire is to have you. But you must Rule over it. So Cain had the ability to rule over sin. Or Satan. Because that's who he's referring to. Now you got to get the picture here. This is after Adam and Eve blew it. Satan had already deceived through the serpent, already deceived Eve. And Adam went along for the trip. Uh Mm -hmm. And disobeyed God. But now God is telling Cain, Mm -hmm. in so many words, get the picture. Mama and daddy blew it. But I'm telling you right now, if you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you Forget about mama and daddy. If you don't do, sin lies at your door. And his desire is to have who? You. But you must rule over it. Bringing it to another level, y'all. When in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 7, where it says, Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if 
He's steadfast mm. to observe my commandments mm. and my judgments mm. as it is this day. Then you get the point of the kingdom is whatever sphere you have been given authority over. Mm-hmm. And the sphere that every one of us has been given authority over is you. You'll get it in a minute. You are the one that you've been given rulership over. Did you get it? Yes. Yes, God gave rulership of Solomon over God's inheritance, who was Israel. Well, we know Israel blew it. Matter of fact, Solomon blew it. Yes. So he came around to a point, God did, of saying, okay, I, I had a nation, or I have a nation that I called out my people. And I wanted to give them my law. I, I gave them my law. Yes. And they kept blowing it. Mm-hmm. And I kept trying to, come on, get it together, y'all. Mm-hmm. Repent, etc., etc. Matter of fact, got to see this one. Turn to First Samuel. If you're going through the daily reading uh, in our daily bread, you're in First Samuel. We're in First Samuel. But there's a tremendous situation that happened in First Samuel. With Saul. Now we know Saul was what? The first king, right? Of Israel. And uh, look at 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. And I know you're writing down these scripture references, so that's a blessing. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Get the picture here. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Beginning at verse 1. Let's read. Now it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he, that he made sons judges over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel. The name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Bathsheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ram and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Isn't that something? Yes, yes. The folks that God called his people came to a point of saying, Okay, now Sam, you've been around for a long time, but your sons ain't no good. That's right. And so, what we want you to do is make us a king to judge us like all the nations. God had called them out to be a nation, to be His people, and what they wanted to be like everybody else. You get in the picture. Wow. Mm. Let's read on verse uh, 6. But the thing displeased Samuel 
when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Did you get that? God said, Sam, listen to what they're telling you. Heed what they're saying. Because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. That I should not reign over them. Wow. Then God told them, but I will tell you what, I want you to share with them what kind of king they're going to get. And he goes through a litany of things. They're going to take your son, put him in service and all that kind of stuff. And so Samuel said all that. Go down to verse uh, 19. Same chapter. Let's read. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. They determined. We won't be like everybody else, y'all. I know what you said, but you know, I don't care if he takes my son. I don't care if he takes my land. You know, take everything I got. I want a king, just like everybody else. Does that sound familiar? God wants to be king in our life. He's given us rulership over us, over, over me. And I'm saying, God, yeah, I hear you. We'll be like everybody else, man. We'll be like everybody else. Wow. Let's go over a couple of chapters. Bottom line is, God chooses Saul. Right? Makes him king. After Samuel crowns Saul as king, We are chapter 12. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now this is after he crowns the man king. Verse 13. Chapter 12. Let's begin to read. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Wait, wait, wait. He clarifies it. He says, the Lord has set a king over you. We look back when Nebuchadnezzar came around and that dream he had. Bottom line is he came to realize that the most high God is the one who rules. But he can choose whoever he wants. Right? To rule. Let's go on. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, 
but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Do you notice something? He didn't never say he never said if you don't obey the commandments of the king. He said, if you don't obey my commandments. Now, I'm going to give you a king. And he's going to rule over you. But your responsibility is to obey my commandments. Isn't that interesting? God is sovereign. He's still in charge. You want an intermediary? I'll give you one. But I tell you what. If you and he don't obey my commandments, you out of here. Did you get it? Then the people get a real, real, they finally wake up. <laughs> Crazy. They finally wake up. And they go through all this stuff to get this king, right? In verse, well, let's just keep reading. Verse 16. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. They woke up to the fact. Yeah. What? Hey, come on, give me a king. I won't be like everybody else. God crowns the king, points Saul king. And then Samuel says, so you'll understand this. This is wheat harvest time. But I'm going to pray to the Lord to send thunder and rain. And, of course, he did. And the folks there, oh, my goodness. Lord, what have we done asking for a king? But I want you to see. What Samuel says to the people in verse 20. Please read. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside. For then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Did you hear that? Yes. He first put them on the carpet, but he said to them now, do not fear, because the folks were afraid. He tells them, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness. He didn't, he didn't cut corners. He didn't say you didn't do it. He said you've done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. 
But serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside. For if you turn aside, then you would go after empty things. Which cannot profit or deliver. For they are nothing. Are you getting the message? God wants to be king. He wants you to rule. You. In accordance with his will. That's why Jesus, when they ask him, how should we pray? In Matthew 6.10, he said, or beginning at verse 9, he says, Pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next part. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you understand? And Samuel told them, don't fear. You've done all this wickedness. But don't stop following God. Don't stop following God. But rather, serve him with your whole heart. Because if you turn from him, you're turning to something that's nothing. It cannot profit you. It cannot deliver you. It's empty. Do you see it hasn't changed? Thousands and thousands and thousands of years have passed. It hasn't changed, y'all. He's still saying, yeah, you blew it. You shouldn't have done that. You know you shouldn't have done that. But don't stop following the Lord. Repent. And desire to serve him with all your heart. Because when you turn from him, where are you going to go? Where you turn into? Emptiness. Nothing. It can't profit you. It can't deliver you. Did you get the picture? So when you go back to First Chronicles 28, verse 7. Let's go there. Read it again. And see what message it conveys not just to Solomon and those who gathered there, but even to us. First Chronicles 28, chapter, verse 7 says, Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my statutes as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of your God. Be careful 
to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. You know what? Everybody wants to leave a legacy to the generations to come. Is that not true? You want to leave something for the generations to come. God is saying, if you keep my commandments and my statutes, I will establish your kingdom forever. And you will be able to possess the good land. And he said, and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. I thought we were going to get to verse 8, but we really didn't. So I guess we'll do that next week. What is this good land that he wants us to leave as an inheritance for our children? For God and us. Forever. Wow. Yeah. We'll look at it next week. Yeah. Next week's message is, did you get it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. Yeah. Father, we're grateful. Yeah. We thank you and praise you for your word. Yeah. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your love. Thank you so much, Father. That even when we miss it over and over and over again, you keep telling us, don't run from you. Go to you, Father. Yes. To come to you. Because yes. we don't have any place else to go. Where are we going to go? It's all empty stuff. Doesn't profit us. Doesn't deliver us. So, Father, our heart's desire is to serve you. So, Father, we ask that you would seal seal what's been shared this morning into our hearts in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.